637 on this Monday. Let's check in now with the Vancouver Suns, Von Palmer. Good morning to you. And good morning, Jill. So much to talk about today as we get into the work week and starting with a case that you and I talked about this and the criticism of a sentencing in a voyeur case. You know, this is a very important thing, what's happened here, because uh, it started with a court decision that a lot of people found questionable. And this is a case where a guy uh, had installed a camera, a surveillance camera in a rest washroom in his house and, and was using it to uh, capture images of a young woman who was a student living in his house. The judge in that case, and people have been following it, know that the judge uh, gave the uh, person found guilty in the case probation and said to effect uh, to justify the relatively light sentence for something that just not only appalled but revolted many people, uh, said, well, you know, there was a deficit of intimacy in his marriage. <laughs> I, I, you know, where these things come from, I don't know. But the, the reason that case has now uh, gained, I think, some momentum as a subject of comment is that Premier David Eby on Friday supported the comments, the criticisms of the Attorney General, Nikki Sharma, in that case, uh, linked it to another case, and said he's very concerned about victim shaming and female, sorry, victim blaming and female shaming in the court system. Eby says he thinks it's corrosive to public support for the justice system, and he agrees with the Attorney General that there needs to be better education of judges, and he also expressed concern that it will make it harder for women to come forward with complaints because of their fear about the way they're going to be treated in the justice system. So uh, the Premier, it wasn't a jealous speech that the Premier gave, it was uh, a news conference on another subject on Friday, but he got asked about this. And he came out with some very strong comments of support for his attorney general and basically agreed with her that those two cases, uh, the other one is the one where the defense lawyer, uh, okay, so this is a 13-year-old who was murdered, um, and the defense lawyer argued uh, that, well, she wasn't as innocent as the Crown made out. Again, <laughs> That stuff, I have shocked and appalled people. So, I, you know, it's, it's interesting how the generally, as you know, Jill, in our system, uh, attorneys, general, premiers are reluctant to get involved in commenting on specific court cases. But in this case, they are to make the larger point, as the premier put it, that confidence in the justice system is undermined when they see victims blamed and women shamed in court cases. And when we talked about this before, Vaughn, you, you know that when the Attorney General, when Nikki Sharma made these comments, which I think most people, if you'd read the case and seen that sentencing, going back to the Voyeur case, a lot of other people had similar questions yeah. about the judge's words and agreed with what Nikki Sharma said. Yeah. But as expected, the Bar Association was critical, saying that that undermined confidence or could undermine confidence in the justice yeah. system. 
but it, I mean, it's it's actually nice, I think, to see the premier coming out and saying uh, what many people are saying is that actually it's sentences like that that undermine yes. confidence. Yeah, I mean, that, you're right, is the central point in the premier's follow-up comments in this case. Yes, the Bar Association said you mustn't criticize judges because if you criticize judges, you undermine confidence in the justice system. And the premier is effectively saying, no, I'll tell you what undermines confidence in the justice system. It's when people see court proceedings that shame women and blame victims. And again, uh, you know, I, I go back to David Eby as a civil libertarian, as seen as, uh, you know, that's where he comes from. But he is becoming, I think it's one of the significant evolution in David Eby as premier. We saw it on bail reform in the justice system and violent repeat offenders. You're now seeing it in this case where... He's saying, uh, no, I, I think the justice system needs to be reformed. I think uh, there needs to be reforms there. Better training for judges. Now, I would note that the premier said in passing that the chief justice of the provincial court, so most judges are federally appointed, but not provincial court. Melissa Gillespie is, he says, the chief justice of the provincial court is upgrading. Uh, training for judges, and the Premier says he has confidence in her, as he also has 100% confidence in Nikki Sharma, and says she's on the right track in raising these issues publicly, and essentially coming out defending women, and calling for, um, well, a more enlightened uh, judiciary in some cases, I think that's fair to say. Uh, and I, I think this one is, um, it's, it's opened up an area of debate because I can't think of a time in the past where we had a premier and an attorney general speaking effectively with one voice in implied criticism of judges and the judicial system. And when you talk about the judicial training as well, I think that was also something that Nikki Sharma uh, talked about or mentioned that wasn't there supposed to be a plan and that this yeah. training was already supposed to be taking place or some <clears throat> some judges yeah. should have already had it. Yeah, she did say that. Uh, now, you know, I guess you'd say the premier uh, expanded a little bit on her comments when he said, look, we already have a program in place in the provincial court. And look, it is not the province's government job to either appoint Supreme Court judges or to uh, send them to retraining. That's up to the federal government. But, you know, I, I think in this case you've had um, the premier and the attorney general are not backing down on their criticisms in these two cases. And, Joe, I would agree with what you said that I think they are on the same page as the public on this. Uh, the legal judicial establishment may feel, may say, may maintain their messaging that you don't criticize judges and that circumstances alter cases. And if you don't like the verdict, go to the Court of Appeal. Uh, the Premier and the Attorney General in this case are speaking to a broader public. And uh, yes, they have to be careful, but I do think that they are speaking for a broader public as well, because we know in our business from the reporting on these two cases, 
I think the public was shocked and appalled. I think they didn't think that sort of thing went on in our court system anymore. Continuing now with the Vancouver Suns, Vaughn Palmer. And Vaughn, we didn't get to this on Friday, but there has been a lot of talk about emissions and the cap on oil and gas and some criticism of that. Yes, there has been some criticism and the federal government got a statement of support. So Thursday, Ottawa announces uh, its new targets, new regimen for the oil and gas sector, reducing emissions, changing the technology, providing incentives to reduce emissions, but some fairly aggressive targets, although the federal government said, well, we haven't gone as far as we were originally planning to do. And the pushback been very, very strong from the industry, saying it'll have a huge impact on the ability of the industry to produce uh, important resources, uh, the economy, jobs, and some early indications, Jill, you're going to get a court battle from Alberta, which already won an important case on this issue this year, and Saskatchewan. Uh, against that backdrop, well, we got a statement from George Heyman, the provincial minister for the environment and climate change strategy, and he welcomed the changes. He says that they're important, that we need to do it, that every sector of the economy has to contribute to reducing emissions, and he says that, look, uh, the oil and gas industry is uh, responsible for 20% of BC's emissions. And he says the British Columbia government nevertheless supports these. He also claims that BC is ahead of Ottawa anyway. The province already has a plan to reduce emissions in that sector. And, and in BC, Jill, it's mostly natural gas, as you know. We don't really have a lot of oil production. So, you know, again, we see that on climate on fighting climate change, the BC NDP government is pretty much four square behind Ottawa on things. Uh, once in a while, you get a little bit of criticism. There certainly was of the one-sidedness of the federal incentives to Atlantic Canada on home heating. But for the most part, uh, federal liberal government's best friend on Climate action remains uh, the B.C. provincial government. Which I, I find interesting, not surprising at all, but also interesting when you look at some of the newer polls and the numbers, and you mentioned the people upset about the, the, the home heating yeah. credit and the fact that it left B.C. out, basically left it out completely. But it does seem to be changing. If you asked people 10, 15 years ago their thoughts on the carbon tax, it seemed like there was a lot more support than there is today and that yeah. people are realizing, and even with numbers, like you said, George Heyman saying 20% of BC's emissions from this industry, sure, that sounds like a lot, but not when you look at BC's total emissions, maybe compared to some other places. Yeah, Jill, I agree with what you just said. I would say one of the biggest changes in the last two or three years around the issue of climate change has been the deterioration of support in British Columbia for climate action. Now, the province had a carbon tax before the rest of the country, and it stuck with the carbon tax uh, from 2008 onward. It fought a provincial election on the carbon tax where the NDP opposed the carbon tax, made it stick. And from then on, it was generally all the parties in the BC legislature, because the Greens were there as well, uh, supported uh, climate action and the carbon tax as a way to uh, provide an incentive or a disincentive on emissions. So you're right. Uh, however, 
you know, we went through, uh, what, uh, 2009 election was where we had the fight over the carbon tax and the government that brought it in won the election and the NDP lost. Uh, the 2013 and 2017 elections and 2020 elections, this was not a big issue. It just, it didn't come up. Uh, yes, uh, one of those campaigns, a Conservative Party was going to get rid of the carbon tax, but they didn't do very well in the election. So we kind of thought it was a dead issue. I guess the message here is there are no settled issues, <laughs> especially in BC politics and Canadian politics as well. And you're right, what's happened now is that a couple of the opposition parties, the BC Conservatives and BC United, are both, uh, well, one is talking about getting rid of the carbon tax, that's the Conservatives, and the other one is talking about capping it and tweaking it in other ways, that's BC United. But they reflect a shift in the public mood around the price we're paying to fight climate change when we are such a small part of global emissions. It is... 0.19 of a percentage point, I think, so that's 19 one-hundredths of a percentage point is our emissions. And I guess when a British Columbian looks at the gas bill, what they're paying, or paying on home heating oil, uh, you're, they're going, what am I paying for and what am I getting here? We're getting uh, wildfires, we're getting atmospheric rivers, we're getting floods, because what the rest of the world is doing we, we don't really have the ability by what we do here and what we pay here to stop any of that. And I think, yeah, people uh, worried about the cost of living and what they're paying and other taxes are going, I don't know if we need to be leading the world on this anymore. Exactly. On that note, Vaughn, let's leave that there and uh, I will check in with you again tomorrow. Yeah. Bye-bye, Joe. That is Vaughn Palmer with his view from Victoria.